Chapter 8, Something is Wrong. The average person communicates externally to other individuals multiple times a day in different ways. Some common ways a person can communicate externally are face-to-face with a gas station attendant, before or after pumping gas, or after grabbing a snack face-to-face via telephone or email to a co-worker, or to the utility company customer service representative about a question on a recent bill. For me, I was communicating to my college students in class verbally and via email with hiring managers and recruiters for prospective job opportunities via email and phone, and to my fiancé and now wife, in person before, during, or after her workday was through. I love to teach others and share my knowledge and experiences with them regardless of the subject matter. So having this opportunity to share my knowledge and experiences and what was actually a major blessing and a curse all at the same time. Looking at my previously described fear and anxiety around interaction with others, why was teaching suddenly a curse when it used to be something I loved to do? To help my fiancé and now wife supplement some of our household bills while being in transition of a full-time paid position, I was picking up any teaching gig I could. This included not only teaching courses in person and via the virtual classroom, but additionally leading a project to transform the course mechanics and content of a specific marketing course I was teaching in person. The objective was to design the very same course for online students to broaden our course offering across the United States soon. This project was a favorite of mine, except for the additional anxiety and stress it placed on me personally. A good lesson for me that I want to share with you is that just because you like to do something, it does not mean you have to say yes when asked. You are not a bad person if you say no, and often, a similar or better opportunity tends to come knocking later. Take care of yourself first. You cannot help others if you are not helping yourself first. To my students, How I was acting may have seemed normal, especially to those students who did not pay much attention in class. Deep down, though, I was questioning whether I should even be teaching when I couldn't even manage my internal thoughts and physical actions of speaking faster than normal, almost like an auctioneer rushing through important course material just so class would end sooner. I even started giving my classes open book and open note exams, something I never intended to do in the beginning. Plus, with this new structure, periods would be shortened, taking some material amount of anxiety and stress away from me. Extreme? Yes. Could I help it? Unfortunately not. I should not have felt this way or provided such a subpar service both to the students, the university, and myself mentally and physically. You should not have to feel this way, especially when you are doing something you enjoy. I was doubting in every situation and setting. It was a constant battle of, I want to teach as much as I can during this period of time, versus, 
my body and mind drain on not only those class nights, but even the time prior to class preparing. Good stress or bad stress, my body did not know the difference then or now. All the body knew was that someone or something was creating a stressful event for it. Stress and being uncomfortable was an understatement when breaching the subject of any type of job interview, whether it be over the phone or an on-site in-person interview. Prior to this time, when I had any type of job interview, it was indeed stressful. But during this time, I was incredibly uncomfortable and fearful. I was uncomfortable because one of the questions that always came up was why I left my previous job. Uncomfortable because the way in which I had left that former position was one that people say that they understand and would do the same thing, but in reality, they would not. In that way, was voluntarily resigning because of unethical hiring in day-to-day employment practices, such as poking fun at job candidates for the way they looked, and management being all talk about backing their direct reports up when dealing with employees that needed to be disciplined. In addition, I was assigned merchandising responsibilities, a field I had zero experience in, with my management knowing that my background was in marketing and marketing analytics. Try explaining that or even remotely suggesting the real facts as I have recounted to a recruiter or a room full of interviewers. Or even yet, the fact that it had been over a year since that had occurred without gainful employment in the meantime. Now, just because I did not have a full-time work position did not mean that I just sat around doing nothing. In fact, during that time, I had written my first book, The House of You, Five Workforce Preparation Tips for a Successful Career, taught several college undergraduate and graduate level courses, and had helped my dad with his Meals on Wheels route part-time. During this time, I would soon find out how my mental illnesses were not a setback. Instead, they were pushing me to set goals and achieve them. I learned that no matter how uncomfortable I felt, I was still capable of making an impact on others. That is why after I published my first book, I wanted to share the news with so many people that could benefit from what I had to say. One of those such individuals was Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, five-time NCAA national champion, six-time gold medalist, and 1,100 career NCAA wins head basketball coach at Duke University. And to my surprise, he responded. I was able to impact the situation of sending Mr. Krzyzewski a copy of my book and handwritten note, but I could not impact whether or not he would communicate a response to me. Upon reading Coach K's response, I felt as though my work was having a real impact on others. Some people have a tough love attitude in the way their thoughts and actions are portrayed to others. My fiancé and now wife are one of those people. I understood her intentions were good by telling me to get up and do something and quit feeling sorry for myself. But this kind of attitude towards someone like me who is struggling everywhere I turn and in everything I did and tried to do was hard to handle. I was being treated as though all I had to do was flip a switch and I would be all better. 
and that I was choosing to not flip that switch on. Trust me, if all I had to do was say, abracadabra, be well, to snap out of my funk, I would have. Unfortunately, it was not that easy. My wife didn't understand why I couldn't walk into a grocery store without freaking out, why driving was such a crippling activity, why eating outside of the home was such a chore for me, or even why I felt terror during interviews, teaching, and attending a concert. So much so, I would do just about anything to shorten the time I had to be exposed to the mental and physical discomfort. Mental illness is tough and exhausting enough to deal with on a daily basis, and so is trying to explain how you are feeling and what you are experiencing to others, since the only signs visible to them may be a lack of activity or quietness on your part. Mental illness does not exhibit the same visible characteristics that someone like a bruised ankle or a dislocated finger does. If this is happening or has happened to you, do not let it stop you from pressing on, because the only person who knows how you feel is you. Do not let a friend or family member sway you or delay reaching out for professional help just because they cannot see the warning signs. Here I was, an extrovert, for a large portion of my life, who did not shy away from interpersonal communication and social events, now turned extreme introvert because of my inability to manage my anxiety, stress, well-being, and internalized thoughts and feelings. A person's well-being is defined as a good or satisfactory condition of existence, a state characterized by health, happiness, and prosperity, welfare. It is safe to say that a good or satisfactory condition of existence was not happening for me. My health, happiness, and prosperity were lacking at the least, and my happiness were nowhere to be found. Although I achieved some goals, I did not feel the happiness I should have, especially after writing and publishing my career readiness book. That was a huge achievement, and I should have been proud of. Inside, I think I was a little bit proud, but because of all the other things happening to and around me, I knew I could not reach the point of pure happiness. A lack of social interaction with others outside of my immediate family and my students was the norm for me. I knew it was unhealthy to want to always stay home and away from social gatherings and situations, but that did not help me turn it around especially since the reinforcing message from those social interactions to me was one of anxiety, panic, and stress. Even more reason to stay home and away from what my mind and body consider to be danger. Not only was I jeopardizing my own life when I got behind the wheel of my car, I was also jeopardizing the lives of those driving on the same streets. There is no other way to say it other than I was not thinking clearly. Remember, I could troubleshoot my symptoms better than anyone, even a doctor, or so I thought. A big hurdle I encountered was realizing the fact that my body was sending signals to my mind that just about everything I was eating at the time was something I was allergic to. Throughout the course of my life, I had no known food allergies. Yet here I was, now allergic to everything except plain hummus and carrot sticks. I went to see a holistic practitioner, 
someone who specializes in trying to find ways outside of traditional medicine to treat real medical conditions. Since I was only going to a general doctor and sporadic emergency room doctor visits, I thought it would be a good thing to see someone outside of the mainstream medical community, because again, I knew better than the professionals. Part of the reason I went to see this holistic practitioner was that I did not want a psychiatrist to classify me as a person with mental illness. I did not want to believe I was one of those people. In reality, I was treating people with mental illnesses just like a large part of the world was and has been, with a negative stigma. I believe people with mental illnesses were not strong people, and because I viewed myself as a strong person, I surely could not be one of them. So through and through, I thought this holistic practitioner was a barrier between me and what was truly going on with me, my body, and mine. As with all the other hacks I had tried up to this point, this one also fell by the wayside, bringing me one step further from the old me and one step closer to a reality that sooner or later I was going to have to address. Until now, at the time of writing this book, the way I had been feeling mentally and physically had not crossed my mind as something that should be considered as something serious like a heart attack or a stroke. Eventually, some feelings, thoughts, and actions would come and go where I knew something was a little off kilter, but I did not explore further. I thought what I considered to be quirks were part of what made me a unique person and, of course, something that I could handle and self-treat. In a way, once I accepted my symptoms as personal traits, I felt close to invincible. There was not anything I could not solve or figure out on my own or with the help of the internet, mostly through Google or social media. That was how I boosted my grades in college, by studying, studying, and studying some more. Determination and studying worked for me, so everything else in my life should work that way too, except what was still going on with me, that an alarm was slowly starting to go off. Visits to the emergency room were on the increase, because I knew something was just not right with me. But each visit ended like the one before, with no diagnosis nor clear path forward. Was this frustrating? You bet. I was hoping that someone, somewhere, would take me and my symptoms seriously. Noticing that my newfound personality traits were actually dangerous and offering to help me instead of saying, everything looks good to us, so we're going to just go ahead and release you. Just try to lower your stress level and get some exercise. That was what I heard repeatedly from doctors and nurses. I will now describe what I feel are the three primary categories that best represent how I knew something was seriously wrong and deserved serious action. I don't write these words lightly, but it is my goal to be transparent with what I have and am going through because I know that you and I both don't need any sugar coating. We need the truth, love, and support.